morning and Happy New Year. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, Curtis was kind to introduce me that way. My name is Jeff Jordan. I'm the RUF campus minister at Mississippi College, and it's a, a great honor to get to open up God's Word with y'all this morning. We have many friends, dear friends in this congregation from different times of our lives, uh, and it's um, just a, a big encouragement to us to uh, get to watch y'all's church at work and to see the things God is doing through you. Um, as a, the campus minister at MC, I just want to say thank you to the, uh, how y'all reached out to students there and ministered to them. Um, I see some students in the back, Weston and Jerry, uh, who are members here. And um, also, y'all have some MC royalty in your presence, uh, uh, Brandon Morgan and uh, Otis Pickett. These men both labor hard at MC, and I, I tell you, it really is an honor to get to be with them on the campus of MC, and they represent y'all very well. I'm telling you, without a fail, without fail, if students know them, uh, they just light up when I mention their names, because they're both men who take their jobs seriously. Not only are they competent in what they do and faithful, but they, uh, they love the students there at MC, and uh, they, they represent the, the mission of Redeemer well on the campus of MC. So thank you for that, that ministry. Um, I'm glad my wife and our four kids could be here this morning. Um, we love worshiping at Redeemer, and we're excited about what's going on here. I've also really enjoyed ministering next to Cyril as he's been the interim at Jackson State. He's done a phenomenal job. I've gotten to go and hear him teach at Jackson State, and I can't say uh, enough about what a great job he's been doing and the interns there at Jackson State with RUF. We are going to be in Galatians chapter 6, the very end of Galatians. So if you have your Bible, please turn with me there. Verses 11 through 18 will be our passage. Galatians 6, 11 through 18. I'll read the passage and then I'll pray for us and then we'll talk about it for a few moments. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world <clears throat> has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation." And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Thus ends the reading of God's Word. Let me lead us now in prayer. Father, as we begin a new year, we remember that You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever You had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, You are God. We come to You now on no other basis than the cross of Jesus Christ. We are unable to approach Your throne on the basis of any righteousness <clears throat> of our own. 
We plead with you solely on the obedience and righteousness of Christ. And we ask for one thing from you this morning, that by your Spirit you will teach us how to boast in the cross of Christ. How to not be ashamed of the cross, how to not be ashamed of the Gospel, but instead, may it be our boast. May the good news that's in the message of the cross be evident to us. Our ears are often so deaf to the rich and musical notes of the Gospel, and our eyes are often blind to what Christ has done. And yet, by Your Holy Spirit, open our eyes that at the fullness of time You sent forth Your Son, born of a woman, born under the law, what we have just finished celebrating at Christmas. And You were born in order that we might receive adoption. May this be joyful to us. May this be good news. Father, we ask that You, by Your Spirit, would cause the world and all it has to offer to lose its grip on our affections and desires. We pray that the mercy and peace promised here will be ours as we walk by the Spirit. Show us how the cross is ours to boast in and how the Spirit can transform us into new creations. We pray this for Christ's sake. Amen. I'm going to grab this water over here. Now, at the very beginning of our letter... Uh, here in Galatians, excuse me, the very end of our letter, but the beginning of our passage, Paul says something very interesting. Look with me in verse 11. He says, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. We might have read that and that puzzled you. You're wondering what he meant by that. Well, it was common in Paul's letters, as was common in the day back then, and some of you may do this, where he would dictate his letters to someone who was transcribing them. But then at the very end of the correspondence, he would take the pen in his own hand and sign his name. And that's uh, true of Paul's letters in general in the New Testament. And it may be true for you if you ever sent a typed letter to someone. Oftentimes you take a a pen and you you sign your name and maybe write a personal note. Well, that's what this section of Galatians is. It's a personal note. And it's it's longer than the usual personal note. Uh, Usually Paul wouldn't write this much with his own hand. Um, And that may be for a variety of reasons, but one that I would suggest to you is that this letter, this letter to the Galatians, is very personal. It's intensely personal. At one point, the Apostle Paul says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He refers to the Galatians, uh, not just sort of in this distant way, you know, my parishioners, my uh, my congregation. I mean, those would be affectionate, but he says, my little children. He's, he's very passionate and very personal in this address to the Galatians. And it's because of what's going on in Galatia at this point. Um, the problem the Galatians are, are having is that some teachers have come in and have told them that you can have your faith in Christ. That that's a good thing. Yes, believe in Christ and His death and His resurrection. But you also need to add to that. You also need to add the Old Testament ritual of circumcision in order to be a full-fledged member of God's family. That was the the false teaching that was going on in Galatia at this time. That you needed this extra thing in order to be fully a member of God's family. Now, this is important to us. Because I I don't know all of you, I know many of you, but... I can say without exception that all of us have something 
if we're believers in Christ, that we fall into adding to the gospel. That all of us have something that we say, okay, I know faith in Christ. Yes, I know that. But I also need this over here in order to be, to be right, in order to be complete. And if you want to know what that thing is, one thing you could ask yourself today is, well, what, where do my resolutions take me, right? You know, what are the things that I'm setting out to do for this next year? Now, that's a good thing to, to as you have this time where maybe you're stepping away from work, stepping away from the ordinary routine to ask yourself, well, what do I, what do I want 2017 to look like? What do I want to accomplish in this year? Those are good questions. But I would challenge you that some of those goals that you set forth, are, set forth for yourself are actually antithetical to what Paul says here in Galatians. There, there are two verses that I'm going to focus in in our section specifically, and it's verses 14 and 15. And he says this in verse 14, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. I want us to understand what it means to boast in Christ, because often I think some of our goals are actually in direct, uh, in, in direct um, opposition to boasting in Christ. You see, we want to accomplish things because we want to say, I'm not needy anymore. You know, I've done this. I've lost the weight. <laughs> I've uh, gotten that promotion. I've, you can even do it with spiritual disciplines. I've, I've been doing my spiritual disciplines. All those things, again, can be good things. And yet, at the root of them is this scheme of self-salvation. I no longer need that salvation that Christ offered me. That's what's at stake here. And that's what's at stake in our own lives. And so the question is, what are you boasting in? That's the first question. The second question comes from that next passage. Verse 15, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but a new creation. See, that's another question we need to ask ourselves. Am I living as a new creation? Am I living as a new creation? There are so many questions this world um, questions us with. You know, how do we make this? Or how do we do this as a church, as individuals, as a family? And what's, what's sometimes unnerving to us as Christians is there's not always a clear answer. Um, there's not always a do this. You know, there's not always a clear right and wrong. But we have to act with wisdom and what I like about this passage is that this passage gives us a rule to walk by. Did you catch that? In verse 16 it says, And as, all, as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. For all who walk by this rule, and I'm going to identify this rule that he's saying is, are you boasting in the cross? And then secondly, are you living as a new creation? See, those are very practical questions that can apply to everything that will happen today and this year. I think often I find myself thinking of theology and what the scriptures say is kind of high-minded, abstract, removed from this world. But what Paul wants us to have here, what the Holy Spirit wants us to have here, is a rule by which we walk. And those, that language of rule and walk is something that's to be daily. It's to be something we fall back on. I used this illustration earlier. Uh, all of us uh, have something that we wear 
when we don't know what to wear. You know, you have that go-to hat, or you have that go-to pair of jeans, that uh, you have that go-to shirt, you know, that t-shirt that's so comfortable. Um, all of us have that, that item of clothing that we just love wearing. And what I want to see the principles here for us uh, as that as just like that clothing that we wear, like it's something we fall back on. It becomes so, so much of our DNA that we can think to ourselves at any given moment during this year and say, wait a minute, am I boasting in the cross of Christ and am I living as a new creation? Am I boasting in the cross of Christ and am I living as a new creation? First of all, what do we boast in? Do you boast in the cross of Christ? Now, it's interesting that the Bible uses that language because we would think that there's nothing that we're supposed to boast about, right? All boasting seems wrong. And yet, the Apostle Paul here says that, he says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, all other boasting is off limits. If you read through the Proverbs, it'll give you all these uh, wisdom statements about not putting your boasting in money or security. Uh, it says that uh, don't put your hope on riches because they'll fly off uh, when you put your, your eyes on them. Um, like Quidditch, you know, and the, the snitch flying away. Um, and so all these other things are bad boasts. They're false boasts. But one thing, and it's the cross of Christ. Verse 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It's saying that the cross is so powerful and it's so amazing that it is to be the thing that we hold up above all other things. And it is what displaces our love for the world, in fact. Some of you are familiar with the missionary Jim Elliott and he uh, didn't create this uh, saying, but he made it popular. He said something along the lines of, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Um, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he played that out in his life. He lost his life on the mission field. Um, and so that that echoes in my mind a lot, and that is what verse 14 is describing. It's describing this um, power that this desire greater than all other desires has of displacing your love for the world. You know, we're so weighed down with the cares of the world. And, and possibly over the Christmas and New Year's break, depending on what your schedule's been and your time off, uh, you see that more than ever because you stop and things are quiet for a little bit, which is, is good. But then as you reflect on disappointments, as you reflect on what has or hasn't happened in your life, you become very saddened. Um, it's actually very common that over the holidays people get even depressed because they come to grips with things that they hoped would happen that haven't happened. Or they come to grips with things that they thought what they would have done by now that they haven't and maybe never will. Um, well, here in Galatians 6, we're given something that we cannot lose. We're given something that's beyond all that, that's above all that, and it's the cross of Jesus Christ. I read earlier from Galatians 4, it's a passage that I always used to talk about the incarnation, just as we celebrated Christmas these last couple of weeks. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, 
born of a woman, born under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now what's beautiful about that is that the whole message of Galatians is Christ came to do something you could not do. Christ came to do something that you could not do. Now, come back to our resolutions. Often with our resolutions, what we're trying to do is deny that fact that we need a Savior. Christ came to do something that you could not do. That is at the root of your faith. And it's not just something for the beginning of your faith. It's, for something, it's something that you're to boast in the entire course of your Christian life. And it's offensive because we want to be able to save ourselves. Tim Keller has this quote about the different political sides of, of different debates. And he says, The gospel is offensive to liberal-minded people who charge the gospel with intolerance because it states the only way to be saved is through the cross. It's offensive. But he says the gospel is offensive to conservative-minded people because it states that without the cross, good people are in as much trouble as bad people. Ultimately, the gospel is offensive because the cross stands against all schemes of self-salvation. That is why it's not natural for us to boast in it, because it stands against our schemes of self-salvation. Some of you, um, probably football fans, and especially with Dak Prescott being over at the Cowboys, you may have been ke- keeping up with the Cowboys. Well, you may have noticed that a few weeks ago, Tony Romo, the backup quarterback now for the Cowboys, addressed the media about his new role in this backup position. And he says this, this is a quote from him, You see, football is a meritocracy. You're not handed anything. You earn everything every single day over and over again. You have to prove it. That's the way of the NFL. That's the way that football works. And he's basically conceding that Dak should be the new starting quarterback and that he is now the backup quarterback. Um, It's very interesting to hear him talk on that level. But I want you to hear what he said about football and think about our world. So you see, the world is a meritocracy. Your worth is determined by your ability and your power. And some of us still operate in that mindset. You're thinking, okay, my worth is determined, but how useful am I to others? And you can do this in a, in a way that, that seems very religious, like you're always serving others, you're always taking care of others, because you're trying to show them that you're important, because <laughs> you, you want them to love you. But the gospel operates in a different way altogether. It operates on the basis of grace through the cross of Jesus Christ. His righteousness, not our righteousness. Another quote from Tim Keller, Our identity, our self-image is based on what gives us a sense of dignity and and significance. What we boast in. Religion, false religion, leads us to boast in something about us. The gospel leads us to boast in the cross of Jesus. Do you boast about what Christ has done for you? Uh, verbally, you know, do you find yourself talking about it, um, not just because you're supposed to talk about it, but because you just can't believe the grace that's been given to you? Some, some of you may have friendships like that. I know my wife and I, <coughs> excuse me, my wife and I have those kind of friendships where you just want to tell other people about these friends, you know. You want to tell other people about what, how much you, these friends have loved you. Um, Do you have that sense through the cross of God's love for you? Here's another quote um, 
Paul is telling the Christians there's nothing in the world now that has any power over them. Notice he does not say that the world is dead, but that it is dead to him. The gospel destroys its power. Why? As we have seen, as we've been saying all along, if nothing in the world is where I locate my righteousness or salvation, if there's nothing in the world that I boast in, then there's nothing in the world that controls me, nothing that I must have. See, it's only if we boast in the cross will we be able to say with Gemeliot and live like Gemeliot uh, this saying. Uh, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's only in boasting in what Christ has done for us that the world loses its power over us. You, you may have been puzzled by um, something that Paul said in verse 17. He said, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. It sounds kind of cryptic. Uh, you're not sure what that means. And in fact, the early church at times fell into thinking that that, that Greek word uh, referring to the stigmata had to do with like actually having the, um, the scars that Jesus had, like the nails in your hands and the crown scars on your forehead. But it's not, he's not talking about that. He's talking about just suffering for the gospel. And the way that the Apostle Paul could do that, he had already, you see, been stoned. He already had literal scars from his call to be a gospel minister. The way he could do that and yet still be joyful and still be hopeful is because he boasted in the cross of Christ. He knew it wasn't about him. And that gave him a reason to, uh, to keep going, to keep suffering, to keep living for Christ. See, this brings us to our second question that we have to ask ourselves. Are we living as new creations? Are we living as new creations? It says in verse 15, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. But a new creation. This is interesting that Paul says this because the first five chapters, really, of Galatians, Paul is saying, don't be circumcised. He's saying this was a, a, an Old Testament ritual that pointed to a New Testament reality fulfilled in Christ, and it, it is now obsolete. But here he comes back at the very end and says, actually, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters, but a new creation. See, there, the reason for that is that we need a principle, not a technique. The Bible doesn't give us techniques. The Bible doesn't give us uh, just this list of things to do and don't do in very specific ways so that we can sort of just make sure we're doing everything right. That would wear us out. But instead, the Bible gives us this principle. Are we living as a new creation? Are we living as new creations? Or earlier in Galatians 5, it says a similar thing. It says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Um, only faith working through love. Later in Galatians 6, he's going to talk about bear one another's burdens. Something that everyone in this room can do in some way or some fashion. Bearing one another's burdens. And we need to rejoice in the simplicity of that. I, I talked to Scott Moore, who's a friend of this congregation, a pastor in uh, Mobile about his inner city work down there. And one time I was just asking him about their approach to that ministry and kind of how they see it. And I expected like some complex, you know, kind of complicated uh, and yet profound system of inner city ministry. And his, his answer was uh, uh, unnerving. He said, well, Jeff, we like to love one another as ourselves. And he paused and he didn't say anything else. And I felt like, okay, uh, well, I can do that. Um, but it was, it was convicting and yet encouraging. 
Have you asked yourself, am I loving my neighbor as myself? Sometimes we get weighed down with all the burdens because we've turned the Christian life into, okay, am I doing this right? Am I, you know, am I eating right? Am I uh, living right? Am I raising my kids right? Am I, am I doing all these things the right way? Now, that comes from a, a good desire. You want to please the Lord. You, you want to serve Him. And yet, in practice, sometimes what that happens is it falls into the same pattern and the same um, danger that the Galatians fell into. It becomes Christ plus fill in the blank. You know, Christ plus this other thing that I have to do. But what Galatians gives us here is a very simple rule to live by. Am I living as a new creation? Am I living as a new creation? Am I living as one who has been forgiven? As one who's been restored? As one who's been given uh, mercy? Now, the danger happens is you ask yourself that question, and at times you don't see the fruit. And then what you do is you say, okay, now I've got to start producing fruit. So again, you jump into, I've got to, got to be good, I've got to be good, I've got to be good. But what Galatians 5, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, helps us to do is remember, it's the fruit of the Spirit. When you take inventory of your life, as no doubt you will, in fact, as we command you to do, as we take the Lord's Supper, to reflect on your life and to think about... What are sins in my life? What are things that I'm failing to do for Christ that God has commanded me to? When you see those things, and they're real things, the answer isn't to, okay, start doing them. The answer is to flee back to the cross of Christ. And remember, remember this. This is in Galatians 5, 24. He says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It helps remind you of who you are. You belong to Christ Jesus. And your fight with sin isn't a fight to try to be something you're not. It's actually a fight to become who you actually already are. And that changes everything. That changes your motivation for obedience. That changes how you see uh, your Christian life. The gospel changes what I fundamentally boast in. Nothing in the whole world has any power over me, and I'm free at last to enjoy the world, for I do not need the world. I feel neither inferior to anyone nor superior to anyone, and I'm being made all over into someone and something entirely new. That can only happen as God's Spirit works on you and works the gospel into your heart where you remember that you belong to Christ Jesus, that you boast in the cross because the cross is rightfully yours. It is where your sin has been paid for. There's an old um, singer-songwriter who actually passed away several weeks ago named Leonard Cohen. And Leonard Cohen wrote uh, one song you may be familiar with. It's been covered a lot. is the song Alleluia, which has all these biblical themes. Um, uh, Cohen himself wasn't a, a believer, but he, he oftentimes spoke about uh, Christian things. And one of his colleagues who talked about his gift in writing and singing said this, that changeless is what Cohen has been about since the beginning. Uh, some of the other great pilgrims of song are always kind of passing through philosophies and selves, kind of like putting on different clothes. But with Cohen, one feels as he knew who he was and where he was going from the beginning and only digs deeper and deeper and deeper as an artist. 
And I admired that about Cohen. I admired that it wasn't this sense in which he was always trying to recreate himself, but it was that he knew who he was from the beginning as an artist and as a songwriter. And it was just like he was digging deeper and deeper into those themes. And that's how we are uh, as Christians, that we know who we are, that we belong to Christ Jesus. And yet we just dig deeper and deeper and deeper into what it means to belong to Christ Jesus. And that is what actually changes us. Um, Miroslav Wolf, a, a writer and philosopher, says this, um, I'm paraphrasing him, he says, sin is not so much an irrepressible desire, as we often think, you know, got to keep all these desires at bay, but it's living in a different narrative, a false narrative, a false story, than the true one God sets out for us in Scripture. You know, the narrative of the flesh is my works, my happiness, my accomplishment, my successes, my failures. And you can be living out that narrative in a very worldly way, or you can live it out in a, a Christian way, even though it's not Christian. But the narrative that the Spirit gives us is that the Lord has been crucified for me. And in being crucified for me, He's given me what I was always looking for from the world around me. Joy, security, affirmation, hope. That's what it means to live as new creations. And that's what I set forth for us as we begin this new year. See, as we come to the table in a moment... What we're doing is we're holding forth and celebrating. We're boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ in a very tangible way. And we're saying, my life is not about what I've accomplished, but what Christ has accomplished for me. It's only when we understand that that we'll be able to live again like, our, like the person, I use an example, Jim Elliott, who gave up this world for something better. This is the table that calls us to a better world, that calls us to live out as new creations as we boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us again. Father, I thank You for these men and women and the encouragement they are to us. I thank You for uh, this passage You've given us, this rule by which we are to walk. Lord, I pray that You would enable us by Your Spirit to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ and let go of all other things that we tend to hold up as our identity and significance. And I pray that You would enable us to do that even more now as we come to Your table. We pray this for Christ's sake. Amen.